Uh, we're talking about supernatural increase. Oh, I got a hallelujah and amen. Any others out there? You said, well, I haven't seen it yet. That's why you amen by faith. You hallelujah by faith. You don't look at the fireplace and say, hey, give, me some, give me some heat. And then I'll throw in some wood. No, you throw in the wood and then you get the heat. So let me say that one more time. Supernatural increase. God of supernatural increase visiting your house. And so we've talked about, of course, uh, walking uh, in the truth. That's the critical factor. Everything is founded on that. Second principle, of course, is faithfulness in your life. Primarily a wholehearted devotion to him like a Caleb. The third we talk about uh, diligence where you continue to have steady application to these principles in your life. In season, out of season, no matter what time it is, no matter what day it is, no matter what's going on, there you are just still being diligent. Can I tell you about this end time that we're living in? This end time belongs to the diligent. Those that have just made up their mind, they're going to go with God, they're going to walk with God, they're going to be faithful to God, they're going to be plugged in to the things of God, plugged into their family, plugged into the church. They're just going to be diligent. There are things about to be released into people's lives. And from God's perspective, it's about diligence. He's been watching you. I said he's been watching you. You've had every opportunity to give up and quit and get disgusted and turn your back on things. And maybe in your heart at times you have folded, maybe in your heart and mind, maybe you've quit, but you never acted on it. Amen. It matters to God, especially in the matters of the supernatural. Uh, he has to know that he can trust you with these things. You know, he can't trust these things to just anybody. Just because somebody's saved or even spirit-filled doesn't mean they're going to qualify but diligence is a big deal to him. And then we've talked about uh, the concept of the tithe. How many glad you have a revelation on the tithe? Anybody can have a, a church doctrine on the tithe. But you've got to have a revelation on the tithe. And what this means is that God revealed to Abraham when he met with Melchizedek uh, that he was going to respond in honor to this high priest. And that's what he did. Melchizedek shows up with uh, wine and bread, symbols of the covenant. Isn't that interesting? Those are still symbols of the covenant. Even in the New Testament era, same thing. And the scripture says Melchizedek blessed him. And the Bible says that Abraham gave him what? A tenth or a tithe of everything. Now say this to me. This is the foundation revelation. If you don't get this, it's going to be hard to excel in these other areas that we're talking about. And certainly impossible to go to the next step, which is a lifetime and lifestyle sower. Say it with me. I'm a sower, a full-time sower, not a part-time planner. It's impossible to get there if the foundation of the tithe is not a revelation to you. He passed that on to his family. We know that Jacob picked it up, of course, probably, of course, probably from his father and grandfather. And we know that when he was about to move into his inheritance, his concern was that God be honored. He said, Lord, you do these things for me. You take care of me. I'm going to give you a tenth of everything that I have. And people will take these scriptures and say, well, that's just for those guys. The point is that Abraham and Jacob didn't get this from the law. They got it by revelation. Shout that word out again, revelation. 
which means that God gave them spiritual impartation of spiritual truth directly from heaven to their hearts, the same way that Peter received revelation that Jesus was the Christ. Man didn't teach that to him. He didn't get it from a book. He got it from, what, revelation. Now, we're, we're blessed people because we have the Holy Scriptures and we have the author. Aren't you glad and glad? You have the book, but you also have the author, the Holy Ghost, who is your teacher and made available to explain these things to you. So if it's just going to be doctrine and commands and books and, you know, and church life, and it's just going to be tradition, it's just going to be what you think people want you to do, it's never going to connect and you're never going to get to that next level where the real amazing things start to happen and breakthroughs that, that you have longed to see in, in the life of a sower. You'll never be a sower if you're not a tither. Oh, that's deep. <laughs> Let me say it again. You'll never be a sower if you're not first a tither. So we don't want to belabor the point, but what I want you to see tonight is not only you personally having this revelation, I want you to begin to take on the responsibility of someone who perpetuates the revelation of the tithe. Say it with me. I'm a perpetuator. I didn't say you're a perpetrator. That's a different sermon. <laughs> say, I'm a perpetuator of the tithe. And all this means to perpetuate is to make something continue indefinitely. I want you to write that down because I want you to get this in your heart and let it explode in you like it's exploded in me. I'm, I thank God I have it, but I want Juliana to have it. Because I know what it will do in her life. If when she gets, you know... A, pack of gum with 10 sticks in it, she learns to what? And grandma gives her, I don't know, her first million dollars, what grandma probably will do. <laughs> she learns that principle because it's, it's that powerful. Uh, that didn't happen by accident. And when I say perpetuate, I mean you yourself, those in your household, your kids, your grandkids, as long as the Lord tarries, but also perpetuate to the youngins that are coming into the body of Christ. Now, your first message to a newcomer in this church should not be the tithe. Come on. Your first message, welcome to Hope Harbor, do you tithe? I mean, that's not going to sit well. Why? Because they're not going to be ready for that revelation unless they were raised and taught well in these things. A lot of people sat in church for 60 years, never had revelation. They don't understand these things. And it's just like talking to, you know, a, you know, a black wall. I mean, they're, they're not going to get it. And all you're going to do is aggravate them because they're going to be totally in the flesh at that point in time. Now, discipleship, growing in the things of God, hooking up with Rodney's course on the growth course, you know, learn how to flow in the things of the Spirit. A lot of things that you need to be, you know, helping them with. But when it comes to this, because it's such an important part of our life and such a foundation for our victory, you do need to be equipped to be a perpetuator of everything that is a revelation in the Scripture. Now, obviously, you're not going to perpetuate the tithe if you yourself won't do it. But that's not this crowd. Saying, I'm a tither, I'm a giver. But I'm also going to be an influencer of others. I'm going to be a perpetual. That doesn't mean you go show everybody what you're doing. The scripture is very plain on what you do in terms of your giving, your right hand, and not knowing what your left hand is doing. It's not about show. It is about taking something that God gave you and sharing it with those that need it. You're one of those four 
lepers outside the city gate. And you got up one day. Revelation came to you. Why sit here until we die? And you marched out to where the enemy camp is thinking, well, if we sit here, we're going to die. We can't go in there because they'll kill us. They don't want us in there. They think we're going to disease them. So we'll just march out. When they did, the hosts of the army of God went with them. When they got there, there was nothing but the spoils left. And you know what they said? They said, yippee. <laughs> and then they had another revelation. We can't keep this to ourselves. We should not keep the new birth to ourselves, church. And we should not keep the baptism in the Holy Spirit to ourselves. We should not keep the doctrine of healing to ourselves. But people don't like that. That's not the point. We should not take what's blessed us and keep it to ourselves. And we should not keep the revelation of the tithe to ourselves because of how powerful it actually is. And tonight what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you about nine principles that wrap this up uh, and so that you, by remembering those principles, can help perpetuate a revelation that's changing all of our lives. Amen. Glory to God. Say it's changing me. And the reason I say that is it's not limited just to nickels and dimes and dollars and investments and gold and silver. It is something that impacts every dimension of your life. When you agree to hook up to God with this revelation of the tithe, it, it opens up a, a world of things to you in terms of the, the spirit realm, in terms of the goodness of God. But now it's time, like everything else, to walk in this um, and if we haven't walked in it, we repent and we go on. Can I have an amen? amen. There's nothing you can do about last year or last month. Um, if you haven't been faithful in other areas of life, there's nothing you can do about the past, but you can do a lot about what happens tomorrow. Amen. Next week and next month and throughout 2021, you can be faithful in this. So the nature of tithing is what I want to talk to you about tonight, the nature of tithing. And then we're going to segue into the sower starting Sunday morning. But I want you to understand that we need to perpetuate this to future believers and future generations. Uh, my heart is very, very specific tonight. You're about to see an influx into this ministry like we've never seen before. We've seen some influxes before. And everybody needs to take it upon themselves to, to reach out and look out for these folks and, and you know, introduce yourself and love on them and find out ways that you can actually help them. And in the right time and in the right opportunity, you're going to have the ability to influence them and not take the precious things like the lepers discovered and hold them to yourself. Be ready to share these things with other people. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I want to... Start with this principle here. Write this down. Tithing is done with faith and not just with funds. Tithing is done with faith and not just with funds. You've heard this. We've knocked it around quite a bit, but I want you just to codify it in your thinking tonight. Tithing is not done just with funds. Of course, it's done with faith. Why do we say that? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But if all you do is just transfer funds or throw funds in a bucket or just deal with checks or deal with, with buttons, you know, on a phone or in a church uh, website, whatever the case may be, then you miss the whole point. Now, here's what I have to say to you. Uh, this simply means that tithing is done with words and not just actions. Say it with me, words. Imagine that there's a great drought in the city. And the city is relying on a central distribution of water, you know, for whatever the need might be. 
and you, this tank is huge, and it's, it's, it's completely potable. It's, it's ready to be dispersed, and yet there's nobody opening the valve to release that water. What good is it to have this great tank and then nothing coming out? Faith is developed and stored in the heart. And thank God you can say, well, I believe that God did this for me, and so I'm going to honor him with a tithe. You can believe that in here, but it's not released until it comes out of your mouth. Faith is stored, developed in the heart, but it's released with words. And I understand because I never got it either that for years we, we gave as part of what we do as church people. If we're going to be faithful church members, you know, we need to be involved in this. But I never understood that it's more than just the act of the giving. It's the faith behind it and the faith to release the power in the tithe. It comes through faith in the heart, but also faith coming out of the mouth. So that, that big storage tank and that great potential is not released until somebody opens up the spigot. Are you here? And so what do we do? You know, tithing is done with faith and not just with funds. This is why your words matter. This is why you should read Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 15, and study, and so you'll see that words were a big part of the devoted person's, you know, practice of tithing. Now, we don't have to hear your words at giving time. Can I have an amen? You, we're not expecting you to make a show of yourself. We're talking about whenever you do give, whenever you do tithe, make sure that words are a part of that. And we talked about what some of those words would be, but it's words of thanksgiving and praise and honor and bragging on God for what he has already done, a recognition of how he's been so good to you already, how he's going to be good to you in the future. And, uh, and see that when you're doing that, you're actually doing the tithe in faith not just an obligation. Can you see how much more powerful the tithe is when you tithe in faith? You know you can go through the motions as a church person. Open the Bible, do the confession, lift your hand up at blessing time, go through the motions, sing the songs, you know, hear the message, yes, amen, even mouth things, but you don't have the connection of faith with what you're saying you know, it doesn't have the force, it doesn't have the power to bring itself to pass in your life. So tithing is done with faith and not just with funds, not just with material. Your faith is released when you say things. So I just encourage you, whether it's something that you do online or something that you give to some missionary or you're tied to your church, make sure you're using words when you are crafting that check, when you're writing that check, when you're going through that process, go through and remember that uh, it's not just the action of the tithe, it's words that you need to be saying. And the full force of the benefit of the tithe and the tither is released. Say it with me, it's not just the funds. It's the words. Now, obviously, the funds need to be there. We're not agrarian as a society, so, you know, we don't have farms and we're bringing stuff in. We don't have a bunch of sheep or cows or goats, whatever. Uh, it's a different time, but the principle is the same. Uh, we tithe the first ten dime of every dollar. Now the key is a lot of times people are just doing that with the mechanics and not adding their faith to that. In other words, they're tithing, but they're limiting the potential of the result without the words that go with it. Number two, tithing is a recognition of God's deliverance. 
in our own lives. It's a, it's a recognition of God's deliverance. So you have somebody come in new that God's working in their life and God's breaking one thing after another off their life and blessing them. We need to teach them right away. You know what? You need to seize on that and make sure you're living a lifestyle of thanksgiving of what he's done for your life. Because everybody in this room has had an, a deliverance from Egypt. Can I have an amen? Go around the room and our faith would be absolutely soaring by the time we got done tonight to hear about the stories of what God has done for you. The darkness he brought you out of. The near death experiences, you know, the diseases, the bankruptcy, fires, turmoil, strife and family, the darkness and the things that you went through and the Lord brought you out. We should always tithe with his deliverance in mind. Raise your hands and say, he's been good to me. Come on, say, he's been good to me. So if you're wondering what kinds of words you can release your faith when it's tithe time, when it's offering time, when it's time to give to the Lord, you can start with all the things he's done for you. I promise you, you'll, you'll still have plenty of time and plenty of room for next time, but all the amazing things God has done for you. I was talking to a newcomer today on the telephone and sharing the story of my dad, you know, 1980, you know, diagnosed with incurable disease and all that God did. And what does God do? He sends him to, you know, the hospital, the only hospital in the nation at the time that was doing lead research on that disease. And his doctor was the lead researcher. And how God in four months removed the markers and, and preserved his life. He's going to be 87 in April. Now, do the math. In 1980, how old was he? Class? Bryce? <laughs> He's 87. 46. How many know that's a big lifespan difference between 46 and, and 87? Is, is, is that our family story? Yes. I mean, if you, if you think about it, I could tithe on that story alone the rest of my life. And seeing how people all over the nation were praying and, and lifted him up. And the, the connection point of getting him to the people who did have a clue. And then when they moved here from Phoenix, Arizona, my mom was questioning that because of all the snow recently. <laughs> See, she'd been real good to use her faith to fight the snow. And she got whipped this time. She just said, well, I just give up. <laughs> but then it melted supernaturally fast. So I think she still actually won that battle. Hallelujah. Amen. The concern coming here is the health care of the people who would have a clue about the background, the things that he's had in the past, blah, blah, blah. And I've told this before, but again, I'm the one speaking tonight, tonight, so I can say it again if I want to. That's the benefit of having the music stand, praise the Lord. <laughs> Well, I wonder what kind of health care we're going to have here. And do you know that the person that uh, has knowledge on that was actually placed in Paducah? Watch this. And guess who this doctor studied under? The lead researcher from Barnes Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, don't tell me there's not a God in heaven that does even the, the big things, but also the small things. Well, I'm telling you, that's the kind of thing you begin to think about, what he did what he has done, what he's yet to do, you got a story. Turn to somebody and tell them, you got a story. Now, don't wait for some testimony service. You know, testify to yourself when you're actually giving. Come on, say, he's been good to me. 
I mean, you put on a ledger sheet all the things that have happened to you that maybe were negative compared to everything good God has done. God is always going to outshine the negative in your life. God is always going to overcome all those things. And that's part of your story. And it's part of my story. And I could tithe on that. You know, I could tell that in the sermon, but I could tithe on that the rest of my life. And it would be valid and accurate and faithful in every time. And it would honor God every time. Why? Because he did it. Amen. Everyone here has a story. You may have been delivered from some addiction. Or maybe God had completely had to rebuild your life because everything was torn down to the ground. But you know what? That's our God. Amen. It becomes. That's why whenever the devil does something, get ready. God's going to turn that thing into a testimony. All I'm saying is don't wait to tell it to somebody else. Tell it to God when you're tithing. Thank you for what you did. I'm fully aware that not very many grown adults have living parents. And I have one that's going to be 86 or 85. One's going to be 87. I thank God for that. It's part of my testimony. Amen. Glory to God. Now, what has he done for you? Make sure that's part of it. Go to Psalm 105. Let this just... Uh, be underscored in your thinking. Tithing is done with faith and not just with funds, meaning words. Tithing is a recognition of God's deliverance, your own exodus from darkness and bondage. And the whole thing is wonderful. But uh, up till, you know, about verse 37, he's, he's going over the history of how he brought them out of Egypt and the things that he did. And then he says he brought out Israel laden with silver and gold. Y'all understand what the word laden means? Burdened with. How many of y'all would like to be burdened with gold and silver too? I mean, it was laborious to take these goods out of Egypt, but that's how they came out. From among their tribes, no one faltered. There wasn't a weak one among them. It tells us that the shoes didn't even wear out in the wilderness. Is that our God? They supply for them supernaturally on the other side. Watch this. Egypt was glad when they left because the dread of Israel had fallen on them. He spread out a cloud as a covering, and gave a, a fire to give light at night. They asked and he brought them quail and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. So he opened up the rock and water gushed out like a river flowed in the desert. For he remembered his holy promise given to his servant Abraham. He brought out his people with rejoicing. Say rejoicing. His chosen ones with shouts of joy. He gave the lands of the nations and uh, fell heir to what others had told for. The wealth of the wicked is later for the just. And it says that they might keep his precepts and, and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. So, you know, if you were one coming out of Egypt, what should you be doing all the days of your life? You should be tithing with this on your lips. And you should be tithing with your deliverance on your lips. Your story is unique, but it's not necessarily you know, unimportant. It's very important. Everything God has done to every person is a big deal. Because he did it, what he did, he did out of love for you. Amen. And consistent with his precepts. So what do you do? You make sure that tithing is always a recognition of God's deliverance. So not just the mechanics, but with the words and the thought and the, you know, the, the mental attitude behind it. Great gratitude. I tell you, God loves a cheerful giver. You know, that's where that cheerful, cheerful giver thing comes from. With joy, sin, he brought me out. How could I not be a tither when all, has, all this has been done for me? I tell you, uh, this revelation is critical for you. Amen. 
I think about your walk of faith and where God's taking you individually and corporately. You know, people like me and uh, Pastor Tim and Bryce and Rodney and Todd and other leaders, all of our staff. You know, we're stewards over this thing. This is God's work. And I do think in the natural, we'll see somebody, somebody will actually make a trip to Mars. I think that will happen. Does that happen in our lifetime? I don't know. But in the natural, you see that. But can you understand that if you won't get in the rocket on Earth, you're never going to go to Mars? I don't care what possibility there is and what promise there is and how the trip's been sold to you and what a wonderful thing it will be. If you don't get in the rocket, you're not going anywhere. And a lot of Christians have this great promise out there and this adventure, but they won't get in the rocket of the tithe. And in fact, and believe me, it is a rocket. If you start obeying God, things start falling into place and God moves in supernatural ways and it just becomes more of your testimony. Turn to somebody and say, get in the rocket. That's why we say this has to be Revelation. Because people, particularly in the West, are very good at throwing up, you know, earmuffs when these things are taught. But the person, Revelation, says, would you please do another message on it? Amen. I'm going to go over here and talk to Sharon because that's where the amen came from. <laughs> the person with a revelation does not want less teaching on that revelation. The average American can't stomach one message a year. Come on, say it. I want some more. But the person who, who won't yield and won't receive that revelation, that's not a fun time in church. But can I tell you something? We never promised you a fun time in church. Where did that come from? I mean, every once in a while, your toes should be stepped on. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, just because you made a roast on Sunday, oftentimes that's not the only thing roasted around a Sunday dinner table. You mean you know? Yes, I know. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the people with, with a revelation on something, they want that revelation to grow. Turn to somebody and say, get into the rocket. I mean, could you imagine sitting in church 40, 50, 60, 70 years and never getting into the rocket with everything that's out there that God has for them? That's how foundational this is. So he brought them out, laid with silver and gold, and there wasn't one that faltered among them. Praise God. Amen. Say it with me. He delivered me. So I'm going to tithe all the days of my life. Not out of compulsion. Not out of guilt. Not out of manipulation. But out of revelation. Can you see that? Not out of condemnation. Not out of guilt. Not out of manipulation. Not because pastors are going to send you some holy water that he prayed over. Or because we send you a letter in the mail, you know, and it's got little blue lines underneath. I was flying over your house the other day, and God put you on my heart. And if you'll send this amount of money right now, blah, blah, blah. You know, people do that kind of thing. But how, how we believe here is let the, let the revelation lead you, not the manipulation. 
But there are some people that believe teaching on finances by nature is manipulative. No, it's the Word of God. And you can't have revelation unless you have hearing. But remember in Mark chapter 4, and we'll talk a lot about this in this next segment about uh, the sower, the enemy comes immediately to steal the seed that was sown. That's never been more true uh, than when someone is breaking the bread concerning the revelation of time. So say it's a revelation, it's a revelation. not an obligation. You see the difference? God wants your heart. If he wanted to make Robotrons, he could have done that. Amen? We go to work like robots, and it is time to tie, so pass the bucket, please. And there's no free will. You just do everything you're told to do. That's not what he's looking for. He's not looking for that from your life, and he's certainly not looking for that with the tithe. Say it with Revelation. Hallelujah. Number three, tithing is a form of rejoicing and thanksgiving for all the goodness of God given to us. It's thanksgiving and rejoicing. In other words, you want your check to be a happy check. Amen. A joyful offering. Amen. He's got a smile on his face. Because every time you do, it is you saying, I thank you for your goodness in my life. Everything I have or ever will have, you gave it to me. Amen. Everything. We can tell ourselves, you know, strength of my hand did this, but the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 8.17, don't you go around saying by the strength of your hand. Amen. Right now, life-changing revelation can be going forth. And the enemy who loved you can steal your attention. Amen. Get your focus on something else. And what happens is, you know, another year around the mountain, another year around the nonsense and all the garbage the devil's trying to whip up. But instead, we're getting revelation on this. And so when you tithe the tithe, regardless of how you do it, you're doing it with praise and thanksgiving, recognizing how good he has been. Has he been good to you? Has he done being good to you? I said, is he done being good to you? No, he's not done being good to you. So it's also about the goodness of God and what he's going to do down the road. Amen? Can you see where this is more than just getting a box of envelopes from your church with a number on them so they can make sure that the number came in? You're box number 162. We want to make sure that box number 162 is giving this year. That's perfectly fine if the teaching goes with it. Amen? So when you tithe, it's recognition of God's deliverance, but also rejoicing in thanksgiving for all the goodness God has given you. Acknowledging his past intervention in your life. He's been with you the whole time. Amen? The Bible says he never leaves you nor forsakes you. Look at somebody and say, even when you're ugly. Even when you make bad choices, where'd he go? He's still a very present help in time of need. Watch carefully in Scripture. It's not God that hides from his people. It's the people that hide from him. Sin causes you, just like Adam, to withdraw from the presence of God and hide. God still showed up for his appointment. Do you realize that? Right after Genesis 3, God still showed up for his appointment. 
It was man that hid or withdrew from God. Number four, tithing is removing the sacred portion from your house. The tithe is sacred, but it takes revelation to see that. It takes revelation to see that. I want you to see this over in uh, Joshua chapter 7, the story of Jericho and Achan's household. When you get to Joshua 7, let me know. Now, those of you who know the scripture know that uh, Jericho was to be a tithe. It was to be dedicated to God and destroyed by fire was the first fruits. The sad thing about it is God was saying, this is, this is mine, but wherever else we go, guess what? You're going to increase, you're going to enjoy the spoils of your labor and of that war. Um, then Achan did what? It took a relatively insignificant amount of goods and hid them in the ground underneath his tent. How many understand that's probably not going to blind God from seeing what's going on? Oh, it happens in church too. Pray tell, Pastor. This is how it happens. Here's the delusion. If I don't go to church, then God doesn't see that I didn't tithe. Nobody would consciously say that. Hey, pastor, I'm going to stay out for three or four months so I don't have to tithe. Your tithe is to the high priest anyway. Do you see this? You may not bury something underneath your tent, but technically it's the same principle because you're using a fallacy to justify what you're doing and pretending to yourself that God somehow doesn't see what's going on. To God's heart, that's all. these actions are dishonorable towards him. When he has done so much for us, um, God says it made it plain. Jericho is, is dedicated, consecrated. It's a holy thing. And of course they do this. And then Joshua sends up a very small you know, band into Ai. And what happens with this insignificant group of people in Ai? They beat Israel to a pulp. Amen. In other words, the revelation to do this and then ignoring that it can, of course, open up doors to defeat in your life. Now, I want to be careful here because I don't want you thinking that God's going to slap you silly because you didn't tithe. You are not under the curse. You're under the blessing. Think of it this way. It's not so much about all the bad things that are going to happen to you if you don't tithe as much as all the good things you're going to miss if you don't tithe. Can I say that again? Because, you know, Pastor Art, you know what he said? He said, God's going to destroy my life if I don't tithe. No, with that attitude, you'll destroy your own life. What I said is you're, you're cutting things off from your life that could bless your life. Under the old covenant, this was a capital crime. And it was treated as such. Joshua tore his clothes, verse 6, and fell face down after the EI defeat. And he fell before the ark of the Lord, remained there till evening. Um, Going down about verse uh, 10, the Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. 
they've taken some of the devoted things. Everybody say some. They've stolen. They have what? They have lied. Now, we don't like to hear this, and Malachi bears this out as well, but technically, when you have a revelation of tithing, you don't do it. You're technically not putting into the hands of the one that actually owns it. Technically, it is deceptive. Technically, it is theft. Do you see this? But if all you see this as a, a theft issue, you're never going to walk in revelation. It's bigger than that. That's where the dishonor comes in. But this is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they've been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction or consecration to the Lord. Now, I've watched this for years and years and years, how people cycle through various levels of defeat. Um, best way to explain this to you. And oftentimes, sooner or later, they'll come for counsel. They'll, they'll, what, do you, what do you have to say about this? Can you help me understand that I'm a Christian, I'm born again, and they can be even spirit-filled. And they're walking in in great measures of defeat and you know, just signs and evidences that they're, they're definitely not walking in God's best. Um, when Kelly's mother flew down to Savannah, Georgia to be with us for a while. She was already pretty sick, but while she was there, she ended up in the hospital for three weeks, something like that, six weeks, yeah. So she's in the hospital, come down this to be a few days with us, and she's in the hospital, and it's a good hospital, a good staff, and her history and physical is extremely big. So you're at a new hospital, they don't know her. He's asking her, now you don't have this, do you? Yes. You don't have this problem? Yes. You don't have this problem? Yes. You don't deal with this, do you? Yes. This hasn't been an issue? Yes, it has. You don't have this disease? Yes. What about this? And after all this time getting all the history and physical down, he finally says, I know the answer to this, but I have to ask it anyway. You don't smoke, do you? You know what she said? Yes. And he said, and he wasn't all that old. I think he was what, maybe out two or three years out of his residency. He said literally that next one could be the thing that kills her. And after all these years of going through things, that one moment there was revelation on the potential that that could in fact happen. And she lived many, many years later on, and we actually buried her uh, on 9-11, the day that 9-11 happened. But my point to you is that, uh, you know, there are things that happen that we're exposed to because of certain things that we may or may not be doing or allowing in our lives. In this case, there was a consecrated hidden thing, you know, that didn't escape God's eyes, and it led to defeat, an open door to defeat. Uh, it's not that God is pulling the trigger on you, it's that you're pulling the trigger on yourself. God's not doing anything. God has nothing to mind for you but your good, but... There is no way for you to walk in God's best and all the covenant promises when you keep opening up the back door to the enemy. Amen. Everybody say revelation. When you get this in your heart, you say, I wanna, I'm going to get that bomb out of my pocket. <laughs> I'm walking around with God's stuff. You see this? And what's, what the problem is for a lot of Christians, the, bigger, the more blessed they are, the harder it is sometimes to get that, that bomb out. Yeah. 
Because you, the, the benefit of keeping what is, because you know, how many understand we dealt with ignorance several weeks ago, the lack of knowledge. None of us in this room are ignorant on the tithe now. Come on, say, I am not ignorant. I, am not ignorant. I know that's got a pejorative you know, you know, flavor to it in our culture. That ignoramus. No, it's about having lacking knowledge. We, we don't lack knowledge on the tithe. So now we're accountable to the, to the knowledge, to the revelation. And what we should be doing is realizing that we're subject to defeats by not walking in life consistently with the revelation that we have. So understand this. I don't, I don't want you walking around in fear. I want you walking around in faith. This doesn't belong to me. I, I should be no more comfortable walking around with a tithe than going down to the bank and putting a gun in somebody's face and asking the you know, the tellers for all the money. You see this? Because they're no different. One is robbing somebody who ever actually has that money on deposit. And the other case, according to Malachi in this scripture here in Joshua, is I'm actually robbing God. Now, if you don't think that God's merciful, just think of all the times that you and I have stepped way out of bounds on some things, and he still was gracious and kind and loving to us. But there are parts of this revelation you need to get tonight. God is always loving and kind and gracious, but the devil is never loving, kind, and gracious. Never. So what do I do? I, I don't hold on to things that aren't mine. Listen to it this way. Scripture in Luke 16.10, one who is faithful in very little, will what? Will also be faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest with what? With much. So if I can't get it out of my pocket, out of my house, out of my account when it's tiny, how can he possibly bestow upon me the great responsibility of much? Other scriptures talk about True riches, and we understand what that is. There's actually a connection between the tithe and honoring God with your money and the anointing. You're not buying the anointing, but if you can be trusted with little, you can be trusted with the things that are really precious, like the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God, which is something that's priceless. You can't come up with a price for the anointing where God comes in and somebody gets saved. How much is that worth? Or somebody gets a miracle. Hallelujah. So what do we do? The principle is tithing is removing the sacred portion from your house. And if there's a sacred portion in your house, at your disposal, in your accounts, in your pocket, by all means, not because God's going to get you for that, Get it out because it's, it's causing you to live at a level far below what God would have for you. Amen. Don't let, you know, the, the tithe on where you are right now block you from the supernatural increase that God has in mind for you. That's not a good trade at all. Amen. Say, my revelation is expanding. Turn to somebody and say, get the bomb out of your pocket. Hallelujah. 
You know, I know God is moving. We have some very new, fresh families in the church, and we've, we spent three Sundays on Sunday morning. How many know on Sunday morning? That's not the normal teaching time. But those that don't know need to what? The testimonies that are coming in from people who are relatively new, thanking God that he's opening up their eyes. It reminds me of what Leonard Ravenhill said. He said, one day somebody's going to open up the Bible, read it, believe it, and the rest of us are going to be ashamed. That's what some of these newcomers are going to do to us. <laughs> they're not going to sit there for 15 years and fighting the revelation. They're going to yield to it, and they're going to soar. How many know God wants all of us to soar? We just have to open it up, read it, believe it, and act on it, and we can do this. It's not complicated. He made it very, very simple. Aren't you glad God did not say the square root of 55 times 2 divided by 3 multiplied by 8? How many glad he didn't do that? Bryce, isn't that right? We, don't, we shouldn't have to do calculus to figure out what our tithe should be. The tithe means what? 10, 10%. Amen. It's not complicated. But there is a revelation attached to this thing that will help you so much. What, is, what does Aiken teach us? It teaches that not yielding to the revelation of the tithe can open up doors to our defeat. I don't know about you, but I've had enough defeat. I've had enough of the devil in my business. You know, the Bible says, though, when one, the defeater, would try to come into your life, the Bible says he rebukes the devourer on our behalf. You see that? He'll try to devour you, but God will slam the door shut on him as you honor him. Are you still here? The nature of tithing, powerful. One who's faithful in very little is also faithful much. And one who's dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. We're coming into a day where heavenly grants are coming into the hands of the diligent and faithful. You didn't think God was watching. You didn't think God cared. You didn't think he was all that impressed. Maybe you didn't think you made that much, so you didn't give that much. It didn't matter. That's not the point. To this day, we still speak of a little widow woman who put what? Everything she had too much. You wonder why she did that? Because she also was a student of the Old Testament. And she saw what God did for widows that came to him in faith and did what they're supposed to do. Revelation is really the powerful you know, conclusion of that story. She walked in revelation of Scripture and the nature of God and put everything she had in. And here's what I'm impressed by. Jesus was watching. He saw the whole thing. One of the people I want to get to when I get to heaven is ask her, I want to find out what happened to you after that. Because I know. I don't know if he sent Judas or one of the other apostles over with a, with a chunk of change or you know, worked it out so that people were, were ministering to her. I don't know what he did. All I know is he did something. There's more to that story that we don't know yet. But we do know she had a revelation. This may be all I have, but this isn't the end of the story. God, you don't love me any less than you love that woman, Zarephath. You don't love me any less than the one over here with the story of the oil and the vessels. You love me too, so I'm going to just act on your word and revelation. I expect if I act on the same revelation, I'm going to get the same results. There's a word for somebody right there tonight. If you act on the same revelation, you're going to get the same kind of results. Come on, say it. If I act on the same revelation... 
I'm going to get the same results. Yes. Write this down. Number five, tithing is not subject to your emotions. Grief, sorrow, loss, fear, anxiety, those are things lots of people feel when it comes time to give offerings or when it's time to tithe or whatever it is. You subject your emotions to your tithing. Emotions do not control your giving, but a quality decision to honor God does. You may, for a season, until the revelation explodes in you, you may have anxiety or fear or doubt or unbelief. You may have a little bit of fear associated with what you're doing, but how do you understand? If you'll just honor God, God will work that out. You can, you can feel fearful and still not yield to it. What we're saying is the tithing principle is I yield to the revelation and not to the emotion. I'm going to obey the revelation. I am not going to obey the emotion. And I don't know what it is. It depends on what's, what's going on in your life. There comes a time where that trick doesn't work on you anymore. He tried fear on you. He tried anxiety on you. He tried getting you into unbelief and doubt. This face stuff doesn't work. He tried all that, but you made up your mind. I've got revelation on this, and I know my God's going to take care of everything. So now he doesn't come at you that way. He may come at you some other way, but doesn't use that emotion. That means you don't want to be emotion ruled, particularly in this area. Do we see it in Scripture? Yeah, the rich young ruler. Jesus said, amen, one thing you like. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. Do you know if he just stayed around for the second half of that sermon, he'd have been blessed? Because the second half of that sermon, Jesus told his disciples, you give away these things in this life, you'll have a hundredfold in this life with persecutions. He walked away too soon, shut his ears too soon, walked out too soon. Amen. Shut down the revelation too soon. But here's the kicker. When Jesus said that, the Bible says he went away, S-A-D, sad. When he should have had revelation on what could be sad was more powerful to him than the revelation. Some people in church use M-A-D, and it stops their giving. <laughs> yeah. You know, one you know, minister and associate with the camps that we run with, he's had a man come to him and said, you know, you, what you're teaching, I want you to stop. And he's a very, very wealthy man and a big contributor in the church. He said, you know, I just don't want you to teach on this anymore. And he said, well, I have to hear from God and obey God. I have to obey God rather than man. He goes, okay. So he just kept on teaching. And one day, God comes up and says, I'm leaving, and my entire extended family is leaving because you we don't want you teaching on this particular subject, this particular area. And he did. He walked out. The man was looking outside. The pastor was looking outside the window as they all walked down the sidewalk and got in the cars. And he said this, this to the Lord. He said, there goes my biggest contributor. And the Lord said, no, I'm still here. Aren't you glad he's still here? Come on, shout out, he's still here. Some people get mad, and that's the motion that runs them. Can you see how dangerous that is? 
One person told me one time years ago, well, I think we should do this with the church, and I think we should do that, and I don't think you should do this, and I don't think this is the right way to handle this. And I mean, basically, uh, you know, it wasn't much in agreement with anything. And I began to wonder, you know, because I, I didn't see them very much. I didn't hear from them very much. And they also didn't support the ministry financially, but they wanted to dictate financial policy to a church they weren't even tithing to. Hmm. My God's going to bless that. No. This is between us and the Lord. You see this? Not Melchizedek, but Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we understand that we don't subject this revelation to our emotions. Not fear, not mad, not sad, nothing. The only thing that enters in is we should be cheerful and glad. Amen? Hallelujah. Are you ready for the rest of these? Number six, tithing is not dictated by the flesh. Watch this. The first thing that will go when Christians get carnal is their giving. The first thing that will go. Oftentimes, long before they disappear from the house of God, the giving will dry up in their lives. And they're listening to the wrong voice and going down a path from which there is a return, but it's very, very difficult to stop the slide at that point in time. When Christians get carnal, get into strife, get into the flesh, get into sin, get upset, get uptight, the first thing that goes oftentimes is their investment in the kingdom of God. That's just the way it is. Now, why would you be dealing with a new member or a new family that comes in? Why is this important for you to hear tonight? Because you care about them making it. Are you here tonight? <laughs> if you don't stay pure before the Lord, you don't stay with God and walk with him, one of the first things that's going to happen is you're going to stop doing this. You're going to shut the door on this huge ability for God to accelerate your life and bless your life because you're involved in something that's taken away your sensibilities and your appetite for God. And one of the first things that goes, one of the first markers is your giving. Um, if you've ever watched this in your life, just think about a time where you did stop. I promise you that something was undermining your faith and your confidence in God. And basically, you weren't doing that. And I'm going to understand that it's, it's not a good thing. It's not a good direction for us. I could take some testimonies tonight. People said they, they knew, they had the revelation, but stopped it. And you could tell me tonight how the devil operated against your life at that point. But how many understand that's behind you? Say it's behind me, where the devil belongs. Amen. Number seven, tithing is not to be directed to death. Things that kill the mind, body, spirit, religion, worldliness. It's bad enough if somebody doesn't tithe, but unfortunately, oftentimes, that tithe goes to things that would destroy. Things that are dark, things that are of death, things that are destructive. Can you see that you take the holy thing and spend it on darkness? That's a double slap in God's face. Amen. Well, I'm going to take all that and go out and get some illicit drugs, use some drug money, you know, go out there and spend it on this and wild living, all that kind of thing, you know. Uh, it's bad enough it's not being tithed. But the revelation is, is so compromised. Now you're doing things with that tithe that are a very much a, a dishonor towards the Lord. Amen. It's getting really quiet in this here Presbyterian church tonight. Number eight, tithing is the mark of a fully obedient life. 
Say that with me. Tithing is the mark of a fully obedient life. What does this mean? Perfection? No, it means simply this. Tithers are more likely to be obedient in other areas of life. When the revelation is there, it informs other areas of Scripture for them. They're more likely to obey. Now, there's always an exception to the rule. Some people do this religiously. Some people do it out of fear. Some people do it out of habit. That's just the way it always was. Not necessarily in faith. But a lot of people, um, you know, function in a way that's mechanical. We can understand that. There are things that you do that are mechanical. But the reality is when people are, are sensitive to the revelation, they're more likely to pick up on whatever else God is saying. Why? Because to so many people, material things are idols to them. If God can break through the idolatry, through the systematic application of the revelation of tithe, he's going to have their hearts. I didn't say this. Jesus said this forever what? Wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So imagine that God now has that heart. It's easy at that point to then yield to God on everything else because that's where the heart is. Rejection of the revelation, failure to yield to it, um, it you'll, you'll watch and see there are other blaring areas in our lives that need correction. And um, we need to make sure we understand that principle. Tithing is the mark of a fully obedient life. Or you could say it this way, a devoted life to God. And number nine, tithing is the key to the increase of God on us and causes us to live in a land flowing with milk and honey. In Egypt, they lived in a land of what? Not enough. In the wilderness, they lived where? In a land of just enough. When they moved into their land, into the promise, what happened? They now live in a land of more than enough. Say it more than enough. More than enough. There's a connection between the tithe and more than enough. Amen. Go to Malachi 3 because I want you to see the scripture in the context. Verse 8, will a man rob God? Uh, yet you rob me, but you ask, how do we rob you in tithes and offerings? Stick them up, God. You're under a curse. Guess what? You've been redeemed from what? The curse. That's why we talk about the tithe in terms of God's best for you versus the activity of the enemy to diminish God's best in your life. Watch this. If you're not careful, curse does creep. And this is one of the ways that the curse can creep into your life. But make sure you understand the difference here. God's not your problem. God is your solution. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. If you don't have that down, mark it down. The local church is the storehouse. There may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Now, who's, who's, who's speaking here? God is. He's promising you what? Amen. Jerry Savelle one time was talking about sowing so much and then seeing things dry up in his ministry. 
they began to pray, Lord, forget about the hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. Would you just please match me dollar for dollar? I need the dollar for dollar back. Uh, maybe you feel that way. But guess what he's saying here? So much that you cannot receive it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines. Those doors of defeat will be slammed shut in your life. All the nations will call you blessed. People will see the blessing on your life. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it's futile to serve God. Let me tell you something. It's not futile to serve God. It's not futile to have a revelation on the tithe and act on it. Go on down to um, verse 12. Actually, uh, 17. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty, in the day when I make up my treasure possession, I will spare them, just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the what? The distinction or difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. There is a distinction between those that have revelation and act on it and those who do not. Amen. Not only do we have the blessing poured out that we can't contain, he also helps us with the back doors. Amen. Stands watch, rebukes the devourer for our sake. Say with me, tithing is the key to supernatural increase. It's the rocket. Turn to somebody and say, get on board. You can't have liftoff. You can't get to Mars. You can't get to those outer rims until you get on board. Keith Moore said it like this. One of the biggest parts of your testimony is who is your source? Who's your source of peace and money and strength and wisdom and source of blessing? When you tithe, you know what you're saying? That's my source. God is my source. Scripture says in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. If it's good, if it's perfect, who did it? Who did it? God did it. He is our source. He's the one that pours out the blessing so much that you can't contain it. He is the one that gives you the 30, the 60, and the hundredfold. He is the one who honors his word when Jesus said, given it shall be given. I mean, no, Jesus said that. And it comes to pass in our lives. So say it with me, it's a revelation. It said, I have the revelation of the tithe in Jesus' name. Not only will I walk in it, I'll help perpetuate it in my family, in other believers, as long as I'm on the planet, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. But pastor, what if I got a bomb in my pocket? Get it out. We don't have a bomb squad in this church. <laughs> What's lurking in your pocket? What's in your wallet? <laughs> that's, not, that's not our job. Our job is the word, revelation. Amen. You you repent and get it out of your pocket. As simple as that. Amen. This is a, a wonderful thing we have, this Christian faith. There's not a mediator between some man between us and God. There's not layers and dividers we can't get to him. Jesus knocked all that down. We go directly through the Father, through his Son, Jesus. So you repent and you start over again. And you move on with God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.
Say it with me. I walk in the truth. I am faithful. I am diligent. And I am a tither. Say it like you mean. I'm a tither. What does that mean? It means you, you know the revelation, and more importantly than that even, you yield to it. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? Nothing like it. Amen. Some of you are about to step off into that rocket and have the time of your life. Watch this. Um, acceleration is a word that God wants you to hear. Accelerating these things in your life. Would it be okay if you took you to a place very quickly, suddenly? Would that be okay? Again, this foundation enables God to do those kinds of things in your life. Amen. One day you're looking at this, this thing that's in front of you that's an obstacle, and the next day God has removed that thing from your life. He's for you. So say when Pastor Art didn't say, I'm going to hell because I didn't tithe. What I'm saying to you, it's a revelation that when yielded to, gives you your best life possible on this earth. And who doesn't want the best that God has? To offer. So let's give him a big hand clap and thank him tonight.